Well, there are so many changes taking place in our country, in our society, and even even in your own community. Up until now, if you wanted to get ahead in life, what you really needed was to be like a, a master of facts, a walking encyclopedia of information. That was the skill that we all needed to have. It's not that way anymore at all. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton. And one fact you should know is that you're listening to Growing Bolder, the program that tells you things that can change your life. You don't need information because you've got that in your back pocket. Your phone, you can look anything up you need to. But what technology cannot do and what some people cannot do is bring perspective, bring insight, bring functional knowledge. These days, the most important characteristic that you can have is curiosity, the desire to know, a sense of wonder, the need to research, to study, to understand, because that's where you find your passion. Man, I loved every word of that. <laughs> Did you write that? <laughs> that, that was all... I, I think, I, you know where I got this? Was, that? was from your launch pad to What's Next Live <laughs> speech. No way. Copy I, and paste. No, that was good stuff. Uh, you know, but, but everything Bill said, folks, is what it means to be growing bolder. In the next hour, you're going to hear uh, how others have done it for themselves and discover what these ordinary people did to create their extraordinary lives. Most importantly, though, you'll learn how you can do it, too, for yourself. In just a little while, we're going to meet a 91-year-old philanthropist who has overcome hardships today dedicate herself to making a difference in the lives of other women, something Sylvia Anthony is still doing to this very day in her 90s. We'll also hear from best-selling author and journalist Craig Pittman for a little insight into the fact that where you live can have an impact on how you live. We're talking about ordinary people living extraordinary lives because that's growing bolder. I'm Bill Schaefer, and this is Growing Bolder, a program with a refreshing new perspective on aging. Perspective. Did you notice that word there? It's probably the most important tool any of us have for learning, for growing, for making sense of everything around us. Too often, we limit our perspective. And when that happens, we end up just seeing like a part of the picture or a piece of the puzzle, and we can miss things, amazing things that are right before our eyes. Our next guest is a master of perspective. It's something he's used as a journalist and as an author, and it was his perspective, his ability to see the absurd that helped his book, Oh, Florida, How the Weirdest State, How America's Weirdest State Influences the Rest of the Country, became a New York Times bestseller, and combining that with his years as an environmental reporter helped him write his latest, Cattail, The Wild Weird Battle to Save the Florida Panthers. So let's say hi to Craig Pittman. How are you, Craig? I'm good. How are you? Well, we're glad to have your perspective on the program today. You know, it's the first question that friends and relatives ask any of us who live in Florida. They go, what's up with your state? Why does it seem that all the strangest, craziest, most unbelievable stories come from Florida? Well, we're, we are the, uh, the most interesting state. I, I think that should be our nickname instead of the Sunshine State, which is kind of misleading because we actually do get quite a bit of rain here. But if we called ourselves the most interesting state, that would be accurate, <laughs> an accurate reflection of what's, what's actually going on here. <laughs> and, and, you know, for those of us, Craig, who, who are from here and who get that already, 
maybe those of us who live here don't travel around often enough to explore. You kind of went on this amazing journey to find new things right in our own backyard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every every inch of the state is fascinating to me. I mean, from, uh, you know, from the uh, ancient uh, uh, settlements up in uh, North Florida of St. Augustine and Pensacola to the folks down in the Keys and their uh, very interesting approach to life that uh, has led to some people labeling it Key Weird. Uh, you know, every every part of the state is fascinating. I mean, uh, you know, if you and I've actually got a Florida bucket list of things I'm trying to accomplish. Um, like uh, last year, I finally got to see a ghost orchid in uh, in the Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary. I got to visit Florida Southern College, which has more uh, Frank Lloyd Wright uh, architecture than any other place in America. Uh, Rollins College, that's on my bucket list to go visit because uh, Mr. Rogers, that's where he graduated. That's where he met his wife. They have a, a whole walking tour about Mr. Rogers' time in Florida there. Something else, Craig, I, while you're talking about Rollins, one of the buildings there has an actual piece of the Mayflower in it. So when you come up here, call me. We'll go look at it. Okay, absolutely. It's a fascinating place. Yeah, what, what are some of the uh, most interesting things that you found, aside from the ones you mentioned? Like if there was a, a place to throw the kids in the backseat of the car and drive off, where would you go first? Uh, well, the Florida Springs are endlessly fascinating. I mean, they were our original uh, tourist attraction. Um, uh, William Bartram, a pioneering naturalist, came through Florida in the 1700s and was just uh, amazed by our springs, amazed by the, the clarity of the water. And how, you know, watching a turtle swim through the spring was like watching it fly through the air. It was so clear. And he wrote about it so eloquently, it actually inspired Samuel Taylor Coleridge's famous poem about Kubla Khan. Uh, probably second on my list would be to go to a, a man-made place, uh, not Disney World, but um, the Coral Castle uh, down in Homestead, where this little five-foot-tall Lithuanian man, uh, his heart broken by his, uh, his sweetheart who left him at the altar, uh, built this enormous tribute to her out of coral rock that he quarried. And so he somehow contrived to move this, you know, like these three ton rocks around and carve them into shapes and, and build an actual castle there. It's uh, it's well worth touring just to be amazed at, at what he was able to do and, and to yeah. sort of, you know, wonder at the mystery of it. Yeah. The book is, Oh, Florida. And really, if you've ever been to Florida, ever think you may go to Florida or if you live here now, Definitely something to pick up. There are great, interesting, fascinating stories. A little bit about you too, Craig. Uh, you know, out of all the things that a newspaper could have a guy cover, when they first came to you and said, no, I want you to be the environmental reporter, did that sound good to you? Or did you think that was kind of like a punish assignment? No, no, no. That's a great, I mean, uh, the the environmental topics in Florida are just endless. It's it's like um, it's like being given the keys to a dessert bar that stretches to infinity. You know, so you have to kind of pick your shots. Okay, today I'm going to have the key lime pie. Tomorrow I'll have the tiramisu. Um, so I've I, you know I've been able to write about uh, everything from uh, air pollution problems in Pensacola to uh, uh, you know beach renourishment, beach dredging issues along the Gulf Coast, uh, battles over offshore oil drilling. Um, right whales, the most endangered whale in the world, they come down here and, and have their calves off the Jacksonville, St. Augustine, uh, Volusia area every year. So I've, I've written about that. It's just an endlessly fascinating topic. Um, one of my recent stories was about uh, women who go out into the Everglades hunting pythons and their experiences out there. They are uh, they're all very interesting folks, believe you me, including one who actually likes to cook the python meat. And uh, and and try different recipes. And she makes 
python jerky that she chews on while she's out hunting the pythons, which I thought was nicely ironic. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing uh, Oh Florida 2 may not be too far <laughs> away in the background. But instead of that, you wrote this book on Florida panther. And, and I had to say at first, I'm thinking, well, out of all these great, interesting topics, why did he pick that? But folks, if you pick up Craig Pittman's book and and check it out on the Florida Panther. It's it really is spellbinding. It's an it'll make it'll make you furious. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you, there's so much to it. How did you pick the Florida Panther to write about? Uh, well, I've been writing about um, environmental issues for about 20 years, and so I've written quite a few stories about efforts to save the panther. It's, it's Florida's official state animal, you know. And each time I'd write one of those stories, I think this would make a great book because the characters are really interesting. Um, the plot has all kind of twists and turns you won't see coming, but it didn't have an ending. And, you know, you can't really write a book unless you know where it's going to end up. So uh, finally, about four years ago, I got a, a, a hopeful ending. And so I thought, OK, now I can write the book proposal and send it out to publishers. And, and one of them said, yes, let's do this. So that became Cattail. And it's great. It's really different than you'd expect. And, and it's very deep, fun, and you're a great writer. You know, part of your story personally is one of reinvention. I mean, it's probably not the easiest time in life to be branching out or, you know, a newspaper writer becomes an author. You've got a great podcast out. What have you learned about how to deal with change, especially at, at this stage of life? Um, well, you just have to kind of roll with the punches and, and be, be always thinking ahead. Don't dwell on the past. Uh, you know, uh, I spent 30 years at the Tampa Bay Times, Florida's largest newspaper, and I had a great run there. And then in March, uh, I was one of 11 people who got laid off. And, uh, you know, my, my, my 30 year career ended with a four minute phone call. But, um, you know, shortly after that, I got a gig doing a weekly column for the Florida Phoenix. And I've been doing freelance stories for uh, Flamingo Magazine, National Geographic. I'm working on one for Scientific American right now. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just it's just a matter of keep moving forward, keep uh, keep plunging ahead and be open to new experiences, too. Uh, you know, and, and um, uh, the podcast thing was something I had thought about doing maybe three or four years ago. And then uh, a guy named Chad Scott, who works at a radio station in Jacksonville, contacted me after reading Cattail. He was so impressed with the book. He, he called me up and said, have you thought of doing a podcast? Because uh, I do podcasts and I can make that happen. And I said, sure, let's do this. So we call it Welcome to Florida. And the idea of it is, you know, 900 new people move to Florida every day. They need to know about the state they're in. So we're trying to tell them. So we've had uh, uh, shows about alligators, uh, pythons. We had the, the python wrangler with, who cooks the pythons on. Uh, we interviewed uh, a guy who's the head of the Nudist Recreation Association in Florida because we have more nudist resorts in Florida than anywhere else. Um you know, we talked to a guy who's an expert on the villages, the big retirement community. He actually wrote a whole book about it called uh, Welcome to Leisureville. Um, and, uh, you know, we interviewed Carl Hyacinth about his latest book, um, Squeeze Me. So it, it, we've tried to cover a pretty broad range of topics. The, the most recent one, which just dropped uh, today, was uh, uh, with a reporter who told us about how a ghost story led him to discover a long lost cemetery in Tampa. Uh, that had been kind of paved over and forgotten, and and he was able to bring it back to life, so to speak. So, I mean, there's uh, just endlessly fascinating stories all around you in Florida, and we're just very privileged to get to tell some of them. And it's a great podcast, too. Welcome to Florida. I listened to the segment that you did on the villages, and it kind of made me take a moment to think about, you know, when we were growing up, the stereotype of Florida was that it was a place where the elderly, the very elderly, 
went to retire. But, you know, the villages for all that it is or isn't, with all the activities, things to do, it's pretty much turned that stereotype upside yeah. down. Suddenly, Florida is yeah. not where you wait to die. It's kind of where you start to live. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the, uh, uh, the last time I was up there, I was talking to some folks who were telling me about all the stuff that they have to do there. They've got 80 book clubs. They've got, uh, you know, all kinds of different uh, activities, concerts, uh, pickleball tournaments, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, they went through a tough time where they had to shut all that down because of the pandemic. And people were suddenly were like, wait, the villages with no activities, what do we do here? But they were able to kind of build community and, and you know, relate to their neighbors and that kind of thing and come up with some stuff that they, they were able to do and kind of get through it. And so I know that was a, a tough time for them, but it's an interesting place. I mean, it's easy to laugh about some of the foibles there. I mean, you know, the golf carts that, that people buy and then they soup up. Uh, I saw one that was done up to look like a fire truck with complete with a, a stuffed Dalmatian uh, dog sitting in the, in the front. But the folks there were really interesting. A lot of them are retired professionals, retired uh, teachers. Um, uh, you work for government agencies and that kind of thing. And um, <laughs> the folks I was having lunch with, they were all in their in their 70s. And I said, I asked them, I said, how old do you feel? And they said, well, you know, I don't look in the mirror. I feel like I'm about 40. Uh, and then they pointed at a lady sitting at a nearby table who was A, in her 90s, and B, had been married three times. And they said, now she's old. <laughs> it's yeah. all a matter of. It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> it's great. I think that the difference is you don't slow down there like you do when, when you go to a lot of places. And there are a lot of 55-year-olds moving in, too, so you got a pretty good age group. And that brings me to something else I really wanted to ask you about. Uh, another concept that you touched on that you guys talked about a little bit in that Villages show, age segregation. You know, there are so many 55-plus communities all across the state now what are your yeah. thoughts on how many in Florida are spending our later years? Um, the, I guess the one thing that worries me is, and, and it, it's with the villages, it's with other places too, is that uh, by focusing those folks entirely on uh, interacting with the people within that community, I think the larger community loses out on that expertise and that, um, that sense of history that those folks could bring uh, and to help teach younger folks about some of the things that they've learned in their lives. Uh, so I, I would encourage people who, you know, who are listening to this, volunteer at your library, volunteer in the schools, get out and, you know, make your knowledge that you have, you have spent all these years accumulating, make it available to younger folks so that they can, they can take advantage of it as well. Well, that's author Craig Pittman talking about what it is that makes Florida one of the most unusual, fascinating, bizarre, but beautiful states there is. Up next, the conversation with Craig continues. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by the Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. I'm Mark Middleton, and you are listening to Growing Boulder. Have you ever noticed that it's the perceptions we have when we're young that form the basis of our beliefs? 
and at the very least, leave us with some pretty amusing lifetime memories of how much our thought processes can change over the years. Well, here's more of Bill Schaefer's stimulating conversation with journalist, best-selling author, and Florida folklore expert Craig Pittman, who believes that one of the most important traits we can all have is curiosity. My parents were very good about teaching me, you know, listen, if you want to know something, ask a question. Don't be afraid to ask it. You know, sometimes don't ask it right when the other person's standing there. Like uh, my dad still tells the story about how an insurance salesman came over to our house when I was just a toddler and he took his hat off and I saw that he was bald and I kept going, dad, 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 that man has a hole in his head. (laughs) I think that man cursed me. That's why I have that same hairstyle now. I'm right there with you, Craig. I'm right there with you. <laughs> hey, listen, from, you, you've you've had a, a, a an amazing career. I mean, you sort of forged a lot of it yourself. I mean, it was your perspective that helped make a job that could have been very difficult kind of very interesting and meaningful, and you used it to help make a difference in many different ways. So from all you've experienced and learned about and written about, what, what advice can you can you give us about how to live our best life? Oh, gosh. Um, well, um that's tough. I, you know, I guess do do the thing that you en- enjoy doing the most uh, and uh, and, you know, and also look out for other people. See if there are ways you can serve your community, serve your state and your your family and your God, if you can, uh, in a way that that helps people. You know, no, don't just be focused on, you know, profit and that kind of thing. But think, am I doing something that it, that provides a benefit, provides a, a valuable service for for others? And um and don't lose your childlike curiosity. I mean, don't be afraid to ask questions, even if it's about a guy with a hole in his head. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> you never know what you'll find out if you ask a question. <laughs> and before we go, Craig, one of the things that, that I like about you a lot is that, you know, if you just read O Florida and if you see some of the interviews that you've done, you almost would people would think, oh, well, he's a funny guy or the offbeat guy. But through your career, you've done many, many very serious, very important stories. And and I, I like that it's not just a, a silly perspective that you bring, but a lot of the book, Oh, Florida, is actually, it, it's very interesting. And is there's a lot of history in there and things that we haven't learned about, not just for the sake of putting something absurd in there, but things that really relate to who we are today. Yeah. I, well, my, my goal with that book is to, is to, uh, uh, so I'm sort of following the Mary Poppins formula. I'm using a spoonful of sugar to shove 10 pounds of Florida history and culture <laughs> down your throat. Uh, you know, I'll get you laughing about some of the wacky stuff that happens and then slide into, uh, Hey, that reminds me of this story about this thing that happened in Florida so that people can have a better perspective. I mean, so many, for so many people, I'm sorry to say they think of Florida, they think Disney World, and they don't think much beyond that. But there's so much more to this state than that. I mean, our history goes back beyond the 1500s. It goes back to, you know, the original inhabitants here. We had a cultured, uh, developing civilization here before the pilgrims even landed um, or, or even the folks in Jamestown. And one of my friends, a historian, likes to say, if only the if only those folks headed for New England had just taken a left turn and headed for St. Augustine that could have stayed in a hotel that winter instead of, <laughs> instead of struggling, <laughs> you know? So um, again, it's a matter of perspective. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot on this program and try to encourage people who people feel that like, Oh, well, your guests are all real interesting, but we kind of come at it from the perspective of ordinary people 
who end up living extraordinary lives by doing what you did, by making the best of the beat that you have, by by having curiosity and perspective. What, what would you say ab- about ordinary people and what they need to do to live an, or, an extraordinary life? Um, be interested in the world around you. I mean, don't just focus on, you know, I'm going to do my job um, or I'm going to, you know, clean up the yard and then I'm going to come in and watch TV and that's it. But be curious about the world around you. Get involved with things. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to, uh, you know, pay attention to what's going on in your government, in your local government. Um, And I I think that will lead to interesting adventures. If you get to know more about the area you live in, you might be surprised at some of the really interesting things that that go on there or the interesting things that there are to do and to see uh, that will make your life much richer and hopefully make other people's lives richer as well. So, I mean, that would be would probably be my sort of the hallmark of that. Um, uh, not too long ago, uh, there's a, a woman who calls herself the townie tourist and she likes to explore different parts of Florida. And so she called me up and said, can you be my tour guide for downtown St. Petersburg? And I said, sure. Cause I figured, well, I know a little bit about St. Petersburg. So I started doing some research on the pathway I was going to take her on. And I learned things I didn't know about a town that I've been living in for, you know, 30 years. And, uh, first I found out our, our city hall was not built as a city hall. At least that's what we told the federal government. We told them it was going to be a waterworks. So they'd give us the money, but then secretly it was always going to be a city hall. So, you know, it turned out there was a little bit of a Florida scam going on there, even with something that fundamental, which made for a delightful story to tell her. <laughs> you see, that's the thing about Craig Pittman. These stories are out there. It just took someone curious enough and interested enough to do a little digging, find them and put them together. And we are so glad that he was able to do that. And you can learn more about the Welcome to Florida podcast, the book Cat Tale about the Florida Panthers and Oh Florida and more about our guest himself. Just go to craigpittman.com. Thanks, Craig. Up next, one of the most amazing 91-year-olds you've ever heard of. She's suffered challenges and setbacks, but she overcame them all to earn a Lifetime Achievement Award and a place in the National Women's Hall of Fame. And you're about to meet the inspiring Sylvia Anthony because this is Growing Boulder. Village kept me hungry. The music kept me high. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. You know what's on my mind today? My mind, specifically my hippocampus, which is a part of the brain that's associated with memory. Like many things, the hippocampus shrinks as we get older, and that leads to impaired memory and increased risk for all forms of dementia, including Alzheimer's. But here's the good news. New studies show that regular exercise promotes the formation of neurons in the hippocampus, not only preventing or delaying its shrinkage, but actually increasing its size and performance. In addition to exercise, there are four other proven ways to protect against cognitive decline. Get plenty of sleep, maintain strong social contacts, 
watch what you eat. Avoid processed foods and eat more fruits, vegetables, and foods that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, stuff like fish, nuts, and seeds. And stimulate your mind by constantly learning new things and playing games. But remember, while crossword puzzles might be fun, their brain health benefits pale in comparison to regular exercise. In fact, one researcher puts it this way, for building cognition, Sudoku is a shovel and exercise is a bulldozer. You know, I'm excited to talk to our next guest, who is an inspiration to all in so many ways. At 91 years old, she embodies the growing boulder ethos. Sylvia Anthony is a philanthropist who believes that everything on earth has a purpose, including the difficulties and the pain that we all encounter in life. And let's just say this up front, folks. She has encountered plenty of difficulties. Despite those struggles, she became very successful. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame earlier this year, and shortly after that, she received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Marquis Who's Who. Let's find out more as we talk to the amazing Sylvia Anthony. Sylvia, how are you today? I'm just fine, and how are you? I'm doing great. You sound delightful. And if it's okay, let's start with your most recent book, because Love, Philanthropy, and Faith Till the End of Time was number one in four categories when it was launched on Amazon. It shares the fascinating story of your life. So let's start way back when, because you were born during the Depression, and you did not have an easy childhood, did you? No, not at all. I was born during the Depression, and it was very, very tough times. As a result, I, I, I had this very uh, hit inferiority complex. My, well, I was born out of wedlock. Uh, my, they, my parents got married before I was born, but I was conceived out of wedlock. They got married on uh, March, uh, August 30th. And I was born October 5th. Their parents made it. was like a shotgun wedding. And neither one of them liked the idea of being married, nor did they like the idea of having a child. Fortunately, my grandparents were wonderful. My grandmother had five boys and no girls. So she treated me like a queen, and she took care of me for five years. And my uncles, too. I was the first girl in the family, and they all treated me wonderful. So God compensated in a lot of ways, and I got through it. So you uh, were abused to some extent by your father. You were neglected by your mother, but then your grandparents stepped in. And your marriage life was really kind of similar because your first marriage was a disaster, uh, but your second marriage was could not have been better. That's right. Well, the first marriage, I just want, in those days, you know, a girl just didn't up and leave. You had to be married to get out of the house. I got married just to get out of the house, and that's why it became such a disaster. The second one, I was far more choosy. (laughs) 
Folks, we're talking to 91-year-old Sylvia Anthony, and the reason we wanted to talk to her uh, is that she's not just a survivor. She is a thriver, and, you know, she's been through so much, and you mentioned, Sylvia, your second husband, Rick, who is the love of your life, but unfortunately, he passed away from cancer back in 1987, but before he did, he said something to you that changed the trajectory of your life. What did he say, and how did that impact you? I believe you're talking about the shelter for homeless women, aren't you? I am, yes. Well, I I had the feeling after my children were grown and I and I after the divorce, I had to bring my children up. I had a mortgage, I had all those things. So, as a result, I I was always busy. When I married him, I was 40 years old or almost 40 years old. So now my children were grown up because I got married at 18 and a half. I had a daughter already married at 40. Hmm. So now I felt a void, and I honestly believe it was God. Because all of a sudden I'm saying, I want a shelter. I want a shelter. And my husband was wonderful. When he was dying, he never discovered me, never said, you're crazy. Well, I believe most husbands would. But... When he was dying, he was watching all of these TV evangelists all the time. He became very, very religious. And one time, Jerry Falwell come on this. So I was in the kitchen washing dishes, and he said, Sylvia, Sylvia, come over here. And there's Jerry Falwell saying that he had a shelter for homeless pregnant girls. It was his alternative to abortion. He said he put together what they called a save-a-baby syllabus, and it was a manual on how to run a shelter like his. He said he would give it to anybody free of charge because he was getting up in age, and I think he wanted to see go, see this go further. When I looked at that, I said to him, that's what I want. Well, Wick had gone to college, and he majored in advertising, marketing, and public relations. And sick as he was, he went ahead, and he, uh, he started networking in bed. But sometimes he'd get up. And uh, he got a uh, Christian lawyer who did our articles of incorporation and incorporated it with the state on January 25th, 1987. Rick died March 30th, 1987. But he had the groundwork already laid. The foundation was there. And the last two things he said when he was dying was, go get the girls and don't worry, I'll always be with you. What an amazing story, and that's exactly what Sylvia Anthony did. In 1987, she founded Sylvia's Haven, which is a Boston-area shelter for women and children, and she went and got the girls, and she brought them there, and over the years, she has uh, provided a, a temporary shelter for over 1,100 women. And, and, and Sylvia, I know you now call this your magnificent obsession. Talk to us about still being able to make a difference, still being able to contribute to your community and to society at the age of 91, because a lot of people don't think that's possible. All right. First of all, you got to love what you're doing. Secondly, I've, I've studied nutrition for 33 years, so that's probably why I'm where I am today. But I want you to know that these girls don't stay there for a short time. I give them up to two years. As a result, by the time they leave, they have, uh, they pretty much are well on their way. I looked at them, and I'll tell you, when they left, they had a job or, or they went to school. They had an apartment. 
and they were well on the way. And when I was at Fort Devens, uh, I was the second largest in the country. That was through the McKinney Act. That was a thing put out by the government that said if there is an army base or any kind of a base that's shutting down or part of it is shutting down, X amount of space has to be given to the homeless. So the government got, got a hold of me when there was a an army base in north central Massachusetts shutting down called Fort Devens, and they said, here are all the buildings that are available. If you want them, just pick them. Send in a letter of intent or a proposal, and in 30 days we'll tell you what we're gonna, whether you can have it or not. Huh. You know, what, what, what remarkable uh, persistence, what a legacy that you will leave behind. And I know you're not ready to move on yet. Well, what's the moral of your story, Sylvia? What can you share with our listeners about life in general? What's the key to living a good life and, 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 and being as active and as engaged as you are at the age of 91? Well, first of all, you've got to keep yourself healthy or you're not going to get anywhere. There's no drugs, no alcohol, nothing that's going to hurt you. And for another thing, you know that the foods today are depleted of a lot of the vitamins. God didn't mean it that way, but the human beings have loused up things pretty badly. So now you've got to put back into your system the vitamins that your food you're eating doesn't have. And that's for every part of your body. And I've been studying nutrition for 33 years. Secondly, if you're healthy... You can be active, and you should get something that you like, something that you want to do, your desire, and that will keep you going. With me, with the girls, I have a girl that became a lawyer, and she's not the only one. Everyone went their own way. I have a 95% success rate because I keep them for two years. I make sure they're well on their way. I, I check on them after, and it seems that they have three years of struggle, not bad, but but uh, enough so that by the time they're, they're, they're on their road for, uh, for three years, they, they, they get hold of themselves and they're on their own forever. And it's beautiful. And that's what I live for. When I, when I had to go to that graduation, when that girl um, became a lawyer, let me tell you, that was worth everything that I have. And because I have a 95% rate, I see a lot of them. And it is so beautiful, so wonderful to see them get on their feet. There was one little girl. I went to see her because she was in Revere, and I was living there at the time, and they invited me over. And after I was going back to the car, they were walking back with me, and she was seven years old at the time. She looked at me, and she said, Sylvia, I wish you were my next-door neighbor. Well, my heart just melted. I and these are the things that keep you going. I think we all wish you were our next-door neighbor, Sylvia. Let me ask you one more question uh, quickly, if you will. Uh, you've been very candid in this interview, and I appreciate that. So let me ask you this. At 91 years old, what are you afraid of? What do you worry about? What do I worry about? I don't worry about anything. When God wants to take me, he'll take me. Amen. That's all. 
And I'll keep working till the very end. <laughs> I love it, folks. Sylvia Anthony has uh, lived a life uh, filled with both tragedy and triumph. Hers is an inspiring story of courage and tenacity, and it certainly is a story we can all learn from. Her book is called Till the End of Time. It will inspire you to find your purpose and share your God-given gifts with others. You can learn more about her book, her life, and her organization by going to growingbolder.com, and we'll connect you with Sylvia. Sylvia, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you so much. Up next, a woman who just couldn't find her purpose until a chance encounter with a pelican helped her passion take flight. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble tunique leg. Welcome back to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton along with Bill Schaefer. And, and Bill and I were just talking during the break about how some people just seem to know exactly what they want to do in life from the moment they're born. I've always envied those people, Bill. Uh, others just keep searching and searching, and I've always admired those people. Yeah, isn't it interesting how always seem to always lead to where you're supposed to be? And if you're one of those people that just doesn't really know or has been searching for a long time, you're far from alone. Finding your passion is not easy. In fact, sometimes you find it where you least expect it, in the most unusual places, and sometimes also in the most unexpected ways. But as the two people in this story learned, you have to take a chance before your dreams can take flight. I was in high school, and I was a lost soul. I had no idea. I had no passion for birds. I, I liked animals. I, had, I didn't know where I was going. But after a chance encounter with an injured pelican, Diana Flint had discovered her destiny. She's been at the Audubon Center for Birds of Prey ever since. If you hold a baby eagle in your hands, it's perfection. It's absolute perfection. There's nothing else like it. As a rehabilitation specialist, their lives are often in her hands. Because of the shoulder injury, you can see one shoulder's a little higher than the other. Because of the shoulder uh, fracture, she has no flight at all. Huh. A merlin. It's actually a merlin falcon. High energy. She um, fractured her right wing in a migration. That red-tailed had a fractured wing did a great job of healing and now I need to know are you good enough are you ready for release hi what let's go go for a walk this is Francis Francis was uh, two days old when he came to us and he was on death's door he fit in the palm of my hand he was so young and so sick by following her heart, Flint found a career that to her is so much more than just a job. 
What have you seen and learned that you'd like to pass along to others about life? Find your passion. It makes all the difference in the world. You know that. You've got your passion. It's very obvious. Who's in there? Anybody you know? I see it in my volunteers. I see it in the staff here. And the moral of the story is that I have been able to see that passion through other people and share it and grow it through other lives. It's really cool. One of those people is Claire Robinson, who walked into the Center for Birds of Prey 11 years ago. She felt such a connection that she's been there ever since as a volunteer. You know, people go, why would you do something for nothing? Because you're not doing something for nothing. You're getting a reward of feeling good inside and helping and everything. You know, sometimes it's seeing the delight in a small child's face. It's seeing an adult realizing, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. So I want to share that with them. There. What do you think about her, huh? She's pretty. Claire is quite the character. We love her to death. She loves to share what she knows. And that's priceless. Because the people who leave here, after they talk to Claire, they just have so much more appreciation for. She's a barred owl because she's got the bars going this way on her feathers. How has this experience changed you? In what ways? I have a lot of happiness just because it's fun being here and I feel like I make a difference. And it's important to help out as a part of a team. And you don't ever have to be a loner. You always have somebody to help. Just like Diana Flint, Robinson wasn't looking for just something to do. She was looking for a purpose. She found hers, and it's changed her life. So much so that she's convinced there's something out there for everyone. Don't just sit around and mope about, oh, I'm watching TV all day and everything. Get out there, do something, change the world, help the environment. There's always a volunteer needed somewhere. And you can meet new people, make new friends, everything else, too. They took their own paths to get there at different stages of life, but Robinson and Flint each discovered they have a passion for birds of prey and found fulfillment in using that passion to find their purpose. They've done a lot of stuff together, haven't we? I'm fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I've been able to do what I love to do. I'm I'm fortunate because I found it. I found it when I was in high school, and I was able to continue doing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. Diana Flint talking about how lucky she feels to have found her passion when she least expected it. And I think the takeaway for this one is if you haven't found yours, keep saying yes to new experiences and, and keep an eye open for new opportunities. Sometimes you have to dive in before you can really know whether or not you like the water. And boy, is that a great lead-in 
to Mark, a world record-setting master swimmer, multiple Emmy Award-winning journalist, one of the leading voices in the active lifestyle movement. He is an author, founder, and CEO of Growing Boulder, and we're about to hear what is on his mind. Mark, take it away. Well, I don't know about any of that, Bill, but but, but thank you. And, and I think like everybody, I'm just a guy who's trying to figure out how to live in the moment. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Bill, when you, when you read something, at least when I read stuff, I, I never know what is going to attract my interest, what's going to stick with me for, you know, a day or a couple of days and will not only stick with me, will change the way I think and ultimately the way I act. And, you know, I read something about coping skills, uh, you know, recently. And, you know, life does force us all to develop uh, coping skills. And uh, I think it's fair to say that 2020 challenged all of our coping skills in unprecedented ways. Uh, they're, they're critical not only because uh, they're part of the formula for successful aging, but equally important. And this is what I read are the largely ignored uh, savoring skills. Savoring skills are something that positive psychologists talk a lot about, and savoring uh, is actively trying to prolong and intensify our appreciation of a pleasurable moment or event, and not just while it's occurring, which I think we've all tried to do. You know, it's mindfulness, live in the moment, uh, but also before it occurs, and then also by reminiscing about it. And I like that because we're always hearing, uh, telling older people, don't live in the past. But part of savoring is reminiscing what happened in the past. And I think we've all, you know, experienced savoring when we plan a trip, you know, a, a vacation with the family, when we really want to get away, you know, trying to think about where we're going to go and what we're going to do and how it's going to be and how it's going to feel in many cases, is as much fun as the event itself. And then when we're experiencing it, and and, and this happened to me, Bill, over the holidays. Uh, both of my daughters were in town, and, you know, Joe and I uh, sat outside. It was cold outside, but we had a heater, and, uh, you know, the pandemic was raging, and they had just flown. Everybody was in masks. But as I sat outside in the cold air with the heater next to me, drinking wine, looking at my daughters, listening to their laughter, eating great food, I just said, you know, savor this moment. And it wasn't just being in the moment. It was listening to the sounds. It was tasting the food more than I normally do. So savoring is a concept I love to think about now. You know, the way you described it, Mark, it is a coping skill. Because as we age, we, we do deal with a lot more heavy, serious, life-changing events. And being able to savor things, the good times, the good moments, and know that we will have them again is part of what helps us get over some of those things and, and get through them. No, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I just think we do make too much out of being able to endure challenges. You know, I talk about that all the time. You know, this part of aging is being able to overcome the inevitable challenges of age, endure, endure, endure. But, you know, as important, if not more important, is trying to find the moments even during the times when we're enduring, even during the past 12 or 18 months of this freaking pandemic, you know, finding things to smile about. Well, you know, we do, all of us, and I think as a human race, love to whine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we get together when someone says, hey, how you doing? If you either just say fine and there, that's it. Or you go, well, let me tell you, let me tell you what's going on with me. And, and then you kind of complain for the next however long you have. But it's getting in the habit of actually being grateful for those moments like the one you had. And I, I think it goes back to gratitude and savoring and, and whatever it is. We, we don't really have enough of that in our lives, any of us. And it's not intentional. It's just because 
we're so busy and we're trying to avoid so many of the pitfalls around us that gratitude is just a great way to live. Well said, Mr. Schaefer. So let's do this, folks. Uh, let's try to uh, accentuate the positive moments and emotions that we all experience on a daily basis. You know, whether it's just uh, uh, the smile from a friend, uh, a warm cup of coffee in the morning, we enjoy these things. But the challenge of savoring is to not just enjoy, but to magnify, not just to live in the moment, but to expand the moment. And I think that's, uh, that's part of growing bolder. Well, Mark, we can try it right now because this program is uh, just about over. But, man, was it good. You know, I just, just, <laughs> you know okay. Uh, I was going to say just listening to your voice makes me feel good. But I thought that might be inappropriate. So why don't you just wrap it up? No, it really was. Look, folks, go out there and remember the great things that you have and all the good things you've been through and what's about to happen for you as well. And we'll take those tough times and we'll turn them around because we're growing bolder. And that's why you listen to this program. That's why you go to growingbolder.com because we're all in this together. We'll see you right here next time. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trapped. Countless fire and flaming rope, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I.